I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Well, much has been said of the millennial generation, for better or for worse. And we should recognize that, for better or worse, they will be the next arbiters of change. In fact, they are set to be the largest uh, block of voters in the United States. So how might they reshape politics and elections in the United States? Really pleased to have joining us on the program today, Matt Germer is a resident elections fellow at the R Street Institute. Matt, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you for having me on. Uh, great piece uh, talking about uh, the era of millennial elections, uh, what that could do. And so let's let's break it down. First, first we always kind of have the conversation of the young people are going to show up and vote. Uh, they, they haven't done really well at that, but eventually, uh, the rest of us will age out, uh, and they will be in charge. So what are some of the things that you're looking at, uh, in terms of both where we are and then what we can expect, uh, as the millennials uh, begin to be the dominant force? Yeah, I think that's a good place to start. Um, and to your point, we have always talked about young people showing up to vote, but those young people age themselves and start to become voters. And in fact, as we look at our current of voters, we're already starting to see, I think, some of the the next generation after millennials representing that really youngest cohort of voters as millennials like myself are in my mid 30s. And I think there's some of my group that's all the way in there into their low 40s. Um, So we are at this point showing up to vote. uh, And that's likely going to impact the way that our elections happen and, and not just in who wins, but also just in how the elections are even conducted. I think it might be helpful to look back and see that over time, each generation has made its mark on American elections. You can see that dating back to the baby boomers in the early 70s really moved hard for lowering the voting age to 18 uh, in response to the Vietnam War. Uh, The Generation X came forward, and I think their big crusade was in favor of ideas like campaign finance and term limits, uh, which didn't take hold quite as well as the the baby boomer reforms, but uh, in some places across the country have seen uh, implementation and now we move on to the millennial generation as they start to become uh, the biggest voting block and, and start to reach an age where they truly participate in elections. What will that mean for election policy? And, and in my view, two of the things that seem most likely uh, are ideas like open blanket primaries and uh, ranked choice voting instant runoff elections. Yeah. And let's let's dive into those. Uh, let's start with the, the blanket primaries. One of the things that you point out in your piece uh, is this idea of uh, getting beyond just the binary choices uh, of Republican or Democrat and looking at it a little bit different. Uh, so for those who aren't as familiar with blanket primaries, jungle primaries is how we often refer to them. Uh, what does that look like from a practical standpoint? So in a blanket or jungle primary, which is a system that's used in a, in about half dozen states at the moment, uh, I think California, Washington, Alaska, uh, Nebraska has got a nonpartisan system, but you could throw them in there and Louisiana. Um, all candidates appear on the same primary ballot. It's not divided between Republicans, Democrats or other parties. Uh, everyone shows up together and voters pick 
uh, their favorite candidates to move on to the general election, uh, all voters participating on the same primary ballot. Yeah, and then those uh, top two, if no one gets to in most places, I know it's a little different from state to state, but in most places, if no one gets to 50 uh, percent or 50 plus one, then the, the top two would go on to that that runoff. Is that right? Yeah, largely that's right. Uh, in Louisiana is the system most closely identifying with what you mentioned. Uh, in California and Washington, it's the top two who move on to the general, whether or not Regardless. they reach 50 percent. Uh, Alaska is recently implementing a system that moves the top four onto the general election and then mm-hmm. uses the other reform I mentioned, ranked choice voting in the general election to pick from among those final four candidates. Uh, and let's talk about ranked choice. Uh, we've had some experimentation of that in uh, a few mun- municipal races here in the state of Utah. How is that playing? How's that being received across the country? Does it seem to be catching on? Is this going to be part of that wave of change you talked about? Ranked choice voting is becoming more popular. As you mentioned, Utah has been experimenting with it with a pilot program. Uh, we've seen cities across America use it for years, predominantly cities that are, are famous for being deep blue, San Francisco, New York, et cetera. Uh, but more and more places, regardless of partisan affiliation, are recognizing that ranked choice voting has benefits because it's not about the parties. It's not about creating a partisan outcome. Uh, it's about creating better incentives for politicians who are running Uh, And about creating campaigns that are about the candidates and about the issues and not just about parties. Uh, And so we've seen broad success uh, with the way that those elections have run. Voters have largely found them to be very easy to participate in. Uh, And in particular, mentioning the generational divides, uh, millennial voters have shown the most excitement around ranked choice voting, which is why I could see this being one of the reforms that continues to gain momentum as millennials grow within the, the electorate. Uh, And and what do you see as uh, other areas of influence as these millennials, again, become the dominant voting block uh, in terms of elections? Uh, Are there other things that you're looking at or things that maybe are off the radar for a lot of us uh, that maybe we should be watching uh, in the years ahead? Well, we could see within the world of voting, there has been some interest in online voting. I don't think that that's really there yet. Uh, I think it's more of people wishing that it was a possibility, but the technology just isn't there. It isn't secure. Uh, and and the folks out there working on it, you know, God bless them. I hope they can come up with the right solutions because it would be easier. But, oh, man, it just opens ourselves up for all kinds of problems on security. Um, but the, beyond that, we do know millennials have have a broad set of interests on uh, all sorts of, of policy preferences um, that, you know, at this point, I think folks are probably pretty familiar with, whether it's environmental reform or changes to the way that we work and the way that families are organized. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's common fodder, I think, for our conversations. Uh, but what gets my interest in particular are the ways that uh, millennial voters are rethinking parties and how those parties uh, work in the electoral space. Yeah, and I think that's the the interesting thing. It you know it used to be there there was some cachet to being a card carrying Democrat or a card carrying Republican. All these millennials don't uh, don't have that kind of affinity or or relationship. I think to the parties, uh, a lot higher levels of distrust in that. Uh, is that going to have a, an impact on that two party system? Uh, what happens to kind of the loyalty to party, the campaign cash, and uh, how that flows? Yeah, I, I think that's a great question, and and in fact, it highlights perhaps. Um, why something like blanket primaries, as an example, is something that might catch on. And that's our elections are publicly funded, uh, including our primary elections, which in a number of states are conducted on a partisan basis. You need to belong to a particular party or at least for that election, identify with that party uh, and use taxpayer money to fund that election. And if more and more voters 
feel less and less comfortable identifying with a party affiliation, then you start to get this real tension between using public money that says only some people can participate. Uh, and, and I think as we go forward, I wouldn't, you know, I'm expecting that millennials will push for reforms that say everyone can participate. And something like blanket primaries really sets the stage for that. Uh, great insight. Matt Grimmer is the resident elections fellow at the R Street Institute. Uh, great piece today. The era of millennial elections could mark the end of binary voting. So many interesting things we'll be watching as we roll into the fall. Matt, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. All right, we'll step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back, we've got some interesting questions to be answered. Russia, North Korea, Iran, weapons. That's not a great combination. We'll talk about it coming up next. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.